0: I greet you this afternoon in the English language, but more importantly, I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful privilege to be here. I didn't share during the testimony time, but I just want to thank each and everybody that supported me in your prayers this week and during the prayer meetings today. It's such an encouragement. To be prayed for, to know that we supported and that we carried by the body of Christ. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, it is with joy and gratefulness that we gather today, that we bow our heads before you and honour you as our loving Father. Lord Jesus, our wonderful Saviour and Holy Spirit, our Comforter and Teacher, we praise You. We thank You that we may come into Your presence, not because of what we've done, but because of what You've done in our lives. You've saved us. you brought us from darkness into Your wonderful light. Lord, I thank You for the word that you've given in my heart. For revealing, for teaching me, for opening my eyes. And Lord, I thank you that you fed me during the time of preparation. And I pray that you will also feed us this evening with your word. And that you will achieve what you have set it out for. I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture reading is is a, a lengthy passage. And verse 26 is a verse that you are all very familiar with, where it speaks of God removing the heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. But if we look at the scripture, the wider passage, it just adds so much richness to this wonderful thing, That God comes to do in our lives. And it makes us understand where that restoration that God brings comes from. Let us read together. Then from the word of God in Ezekiel chapter 36. From verse 16 to 36. The word of the Lord came to me Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanliness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations. And they were dispersed throughout the countries in accordance with their ways and their deeds I judged them but when they came to the nations wherever they came they profaned my holy name in that the people said of them these are the people of the Lord and yet they had to go out of his land but I had concern for my holy name which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you And you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes And be careful to obey my rules you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you and I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt and the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the garden of Eden And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord, I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. Every time I read this, it's so wonderful. To read this word, and uh, I would like to just give you the background to where we find Israel at this point in time. And this is more or less 1,500 years after God called Abram from the land of the Chaldeans and m- made a promise to him, where He said, "I will bless you and make your offspring a blessing." And I will give you, take you to a land. And he led him out of his land to the land of Canaan, the promised land. And there Abram, Isaac, and Jacob dwelled as sojourners, as foreigners. And God said, in 400 years' time, your family, after serving as slaves in a foreign land, they will be brought back and they will possess this land. And then follows a further a rich history. The, the Israelites came from, Israel, uh, from Egypt, they were set free by the mighty hand of God they were given the law in the desert, they were nourished and cared for by God and then they move into the promised land they conquer the land the time of judges follows a dark time in the history of Israel where everybody did which was that what was good in his own eyes they didn't follow God they didn't They forgot about them. They forgot to teach their children about the wonderful works of God. Then came the time of the kings. And then when you get to the kings David and King Solomon, it's actually the peak of the kingdom of Israel and this nation. When the temple is built, the wonderful temple, the whole territory is under the rulership of of David and, uh, and Solomon. A time of peace is reached. And you think, but this promise has finally come true. The promise to Abram. This is now materialized. But then follows a very sad time. The kingdom is divided into the ten tribes and the tribe of Judah. And there is a gradual spiritual down spiraling uh, that happens. And over time it comes to the point where the 10 tribes are first taken into exile by the Assyrians. And then about 100 years later, we found ourselves here, where the, J- the tribe of Judah is taken to Babylon. And in this first 30 years of these 70 years of exile, um, the prophet uh, Ezekiel um, acts as a prophet um, to the people of God. Now the first part of this message is about the holy name of God. And we read about this in verses 16 to 22 and then also verse 33 to 36. And we're going to discover what is meant by His holy name, God's holy name. And I want to start... um, in verse 16 and verse 17, where we find the words defiled the land, their uncleanliness was like impurity. Those words, those terms are terms that the Israelites understood um, under, from the perspective of the law um, ...of the, uh, the laws of purity, uh, purity. And in terms of those laws... ...if a person is unclean... ...for various reasons... ...that person may not come to the temple of God to worship. There has to be a process of purification... ...and a sacrifice given... ...and then a person is clean again... ...or pure, and he may enter. So God is saying in these verses... ...the deeds of the Israelites are like impurity before Him. So He rejects them before His presence. They cannot enter. They are not in the right place in their hearts to enter before God. Then we go to verse 18 and 19, where the judgment for their wicked deeds is described. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries, in accordance to their ways and their deeds, I judge them. So God's judgment on Israel is a just is 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 just is righteous. It's a thousand years since they moved into this land, and it was not that they lived a perfect life for a thousand years and yeah they made one mistake, and God chased them out of the country. No. Their whole period in the promised land has been uh, known and characterized by being unfaithful to God. So there has been a period of a thousand years of tremendous patience that God has shown. And in in that time of patience, he sent prophets to them to tell them that they've got to repent and turn back to God. But they didn't, and here they receive their judgment and then we come to verse 20. And this is, is, uh, came as a surprise to me and uh, the first time that I read it. And we read here, When they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name, in that the people said of them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. So, it doesn't name the evil deeds of Israel as the reason for profaning God's name. And when we say, use the word profane, it means to dishonor the name of God. God's name was dishonored in the words that the other nations said of them. They said, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to leave their country And at this point, I want to take you back to the beginning of the history of Israel, where they were growing as a nation. They entered Egypt as a family, an extended family of Jacob. But when God called Moses to lead the Israelites out, they had become a nation. They had grown to a people of more or less two million people. So a great nation. I want to take you to Exodus chapter 6. um, Verse 6 to 8. Verse 7 to 8, excuse me. And here we find the purpose, God's purposes for the Israelites. Verse 7. I will take you, To be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Now, isn't that exactly what God refers to? When he says, the people are saying, you are the people of the Lord. The nations are saying, you are the people of the Lord. God's purpose for Israel was to know that he is the Lord, to be his people, and that he could be their God, and that they will live in the land that he has promised them. And that, as soon as they moved out, God's name, God's holy name was profaned, in that the people said, These are the people of the Lord. So when we look at verse 21, 22 and 23, God speaks of his holy name. He continues and says, I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned. And then verse 22, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned. Now, we've just learned that the profaning of God's name was when they missed, when they failed in the destiny that God called them for, to be his people and to live in that country. Now, God says in verse 23, he continues, and he says, And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. So vindicate is to restore, to make right, to to restore the honor of his name. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord God. And listen here when through you I will vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Again, it 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 is a surprise if we, in our normal lives, if something goes wrong and we have to make a plan to put it right, the last thing we would think of is to use the thing that has caused the problems. But God chooses to his name right... ...by using the Israelites. Not that he needs them... ...but in putting his name right... ...they are included... ...in his wonderful plans... ...of vindicating his... uh, ...his his, uh, holy name. And in the same verse... ...God's purpose... ...is further revealed... ...where in Exodus... ...God said... ...they will know that I am the Lord the Israelites. Here he says, now the nations, all the nations will know that I am the Lord. And here we are. We are not Israelites. We are some of those other nations. And the word of God has come to us. And then on the completion of God's vindication, we read in verse 33 to 36, when the nations look Um, at what God has done in Israel when they see the cities rebuilt and the vineyards replanted and the soil tilled. Then they look at it and say, it looks like the Garden of Eden. And they will know that I am the Lord. So do you find it surprising that God Uses that he vindicates his name through the people that have so failed him in the time that they were in the land of Israel. And yet, through them, he restores his name. And we're now going to look at the restoration that God has brought about for the nation of Israel. But we will learn that it's not just for them we will look at verse 24 to 30. But before I get there, I just want to do an illustration um, about two entities that you are all very familiar with in our country. The One is Sassol, and the other one is South African Airways. And we can learn good lessons from both of these entities. And it will help us understand this, this next portion. Sasol is a refinery. And coal comes in to this refinery. And what comes out on the other end? Petrol. Fuel. That coal is not at all representative of the end result. Petrol is something completely different. So keep that picture in mind. And then South African Airways. The taxpayers will gnash their teeth when we think of that. All the money that the government has thrown at that entity to try and save it. And it's failed. Why? Because SAA is still doing business the same way as they used to, and therefore they continue to fail. So let us consider what God does. When He says, When I act, it's not for, mine, uh, not for your sake, but for the sake of my name, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. How does he do that? It starts in verse 24. And here follows 14 I wills. I will. Everything an act of God. Him intervening. I will take you and gather you from the countries and nations. I will bring you into your own land. Now that is already what the nations were talking about when they said these are the people of God. Yet they are not in their country. Well, their God will bring them physically back into their country. And and I'm going to jump for a moment to verse 30, uh, 29. I will summon the grain and make it abundant, and I will no, lay no famine upon you. And I will cause the fruit and make the increase of the field abundant. So these are all things that speaks of a physical restoration. The people that have been moved back from Babylon into the the, the promised land. And the restoration of the country. The rebuilding of the cities. And we read of that, that that has actually happened in a powerful way. We read it in the book of Ezra. Where Ezra goes back as a a priest, and the the temple service is restored. The temple is rebuilt, and the worship of God is restored. Nehemiah follows, he rebuilds the city walls. All of these things, miraculous, wonderful things of how God prepared, how God made it possible for these things to happen. And then even in the book of Esther, how God protected his people and saved them from destruction. But then this middle section speaks of much more. When we read from uh, verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, And give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. And here comes the the climax. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. So it speaks here of a much deeper restoration. God didn't just bring them back into their country, but God wants to change them completely. Just like the coal sassel changes into fuel, God wants to make them a completely new person. And this is really only... Um, achieved in the time when Jesus came to earth. When He lived the perfect life. When He died on the cross and paid for the sins and His blood cleansed those who believed from their sins. And He was laid in a tomb and and resurrected so that we might have eternal life. And then after He ascended to heaven, He gave His Holy Spirit And people were transformed in the way that it's described in this prophecy. So God saves Israel not just from their enemies. He saves them from themselves. And in the same way, God wants to save each and every one of us from who we are to who He is to receive that new heart have you ever tried to put coal in the petrol tank of a car? Maybe if you explain to your car that coal is actually fuel, maybe it will run. No, it won't. A car runs on petrol and petrol is a completely different substance from coal. And in the same way, we cannot come to God as we are. and enter into His presence. We have to be transformed and made completely new people. People from heaven. Heavenly born people. Now this divine work, all these 14 statements, what is that called? In one word. Salvation. That is salvation and it comes about through rebirth, being born again. Again. And we read in in John 1, verse 12 to 13, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, that's the name of Jesus Christ, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's a new creation. It's a new person. It is not an improved person. It is not a better shawl or a better nails. It is a new person. It is Jesus Christ being born into each one of us, his life and our hearts removed. Coal cannot be washed, cannot be changed, cannot be made super coal or special coal to become fuel. It has to be transformed completely. Maybe there are some of you here this evening that have not yet received Jesus Christ. That is the only way to please God is when we receive Jesus in our hearts when he changes us and makes us a new person. But maybe you think that you don't really need it. Maybe you think that you are good the way you are. You are better than other people, you don't do the bad things that we see in the streets, and that makes you acceptable. And that's why we have verse 31 and 32 in this passage. And I want to take you through these two verses where it describes fallen man, man who is sinful and who cannot please God. Verse 32. Um, Uh, Verse 31, then you will remember your evil ways. Then is when they come back into the land, when they've received new hearts. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let it be known to you be ashamed and confounded for your ways O house of Israel why this harsh words, why the repetition of these harsh words and that after explaining the salvation it's because it needs to be driven home that the old man is not pleasing to God who we are in sin who we were before God saved us, we cannot long back to that. We cannot look back to that and say, it wasn't that bad. It is so important. And it would be so dishonoring to God's name if we think, it wasn't that bad. I didn't really need salvation. In Mark 8, verse 34, Jesus says, if anyone shall come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What kind of person who thinks he is okay would deny himself? Why would you deny something that is not that bad? It is impossible to follow Jesus if you still hold on to yourself. In Mark 1 verse 15, Jesus proclaimed the gospel of God, and he said, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Why would people need to repent if there is nothing wrong with them? If they are not that bad? What does repentance mean? Repentance means that we turn our back on the way we are living. We turn away from it. You You will not turn away from something if you don't agree with God's judgment on that life. By saying it is shameful, it is evil, it is not good. So that is why it's so important, the remembering, knowing, looking back and seeing that our old, old lives is not pleasing to God. But there is one life that was pleasing to God all the way. And that was Jesus Christ. When God himself became man and we walked the earth... He walked in perfect righteousness and God said of him the father spoke out of heaven twice saying this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased and it is in Jesus that we therefore find salvation when we hide in him and that is what faith is that is what what the start and, and what justification by faith means is that we put our faith in in the good works that Jesus did and in the price that he paid for our sins. Now I want to conclude the message with a passage in Matthew chapter 22 about the wedding. It's a wedding that the king held And he invited guests and initially the invited guests didn't respond. And then he sends out his servants into the fields, into the streets, into the alleys to bring people in. And we get to verse 10. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him. Hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. What is the picture of the man that did not have a wedding garment? It is a man that puts his faith and his trust in his own good works, and it will be found wanting. None of us can be saved by our works. But we have to put on Christ and His righteousness. And then we will be pleasing to God. And He offers that. He offers that to everyone. Where He says, All those who have received Him, to them He has given the right to be called sons of God. Why would Jesus pay the high price of laying down his life. And then when you come for, to ask for forgiveness, reject you. He won't reject you. But you need to come with a humble heart. Because God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. If you rely on your own good works, you will be rejected by God. But if you come in humility you will find forgiveness and salvation. Perhaps you as a follower of Christ, brothers and sisters yet this evening, maybe you have lost the joy of your salvation, the salvation that God has given you. Maybe you've become discouraged when you look around you and you see the evil in the world, or you see a loved one that doesn't believe in God, and you've prayed for years, and you want to give up, may this passage also encourage you. May you find encouragement therein that God will honor His holy name. It is not for our sake, but it is for the sake of His holy name. And in the restoration of His holy name, He includes all who would come to Him. All that believe in Jesus are made new. And have that hope. Don't look at the the wickedness of the people that are lost. But look at God who saves anyone, who can save any sinner. And we've got that in the Word. Testimonies of many people who have been saved by Him. And when we talk about a new heart, it also reminds of that psalm by David in Psalm 51. And I was just reminded again this morning when Ruth shared that, is that where David uh, prayed and asked God um, in Psalm 51 uh, verse verse 10, um, restoring me a new spirit, and create in me a clean heart. And it's the same language as as Ezekiel was using in Ezekiel 36. And the sacrifice that God will accept is a sacrifice of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. God doesn't look for sacrifices of animals or good works or money, but he looks for humble hearts. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, when we consider this word, we can only be filled with awe and wonder at your marvelous wisdom, your saving grace, your patience but your dedication and your concern for your holy name, which you have restored when you saved and you brought the Israelites back into their land. But Lord, you've also brought salvation to all the nations and you've made your name known. And we thank you for that. And we pray that you will continue to make your name known in the work that you do in our lives as you save us, as you save new people, that the transformed lives of people will be a testimony to your mighty name. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.